CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market on the steamy summer Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me. In the meantime, here's what's coming up on The Big Show. Chinese internet stocks have gotten crushed. But Dan Nathan says one looks ready to buy heading into next week. He'll give you the name and tell you how to profit. Plus, oil is in a correction. And the chartmaster says it's about to really roll over. He will give you the setup. And how would you like to make money if the market goes up or down? It's Mike Coe's high probability trade. And he'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And we start with the Chinese internet stock. Shares uh, some of the biggest players have been getting crushed along with the rest of China's market in the past month as trade tensions escalate. Cena, JD.com, Alibaba, Tencent all taking it on the chin. But those names showing some signs of life today turning around on a headline that President Trump and President Xi will meet to discuss trade tensions. So let's get in the money. Dan, you're focusing in on Baba. Yeah, because it reports next week. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a really interesting report from a sentiment standpoint. And, you know, I just want to mention, you just talked about how these stocks caught a little bit of a bid. The Shanghai Composite closed at a 52-week low overnight, and it's down about 25% from its 52-week highs. This might be one of the scariest charts in the entire market when you think about it. It's the fifth largest um, equity market out there. Um, So to me, you know, Baba is down about 18% from its highs. It's flat on the year. It's down in sympathy, I think, with Chinese uh, equity sentiment, but also Tencent, as you mentioned, is down 30% from its highs. So the report next week is interesting. The options market is implying about a 6.5% move. That's double the average move after earnings over the last four quarters, about 3.25%. So it got me thinking about how poor investor sentiment is with BABA here, despite the fact that analysts are still over the moon, hyped up about this name. 48 buys, one hold, no sells, average price target, 240 bucks. So to me, you got really poor investor sentiment. You got poor macro sentiment here. I think this company, the stock in particular, is banging up against a really key technical support level. I'll let Carter speak to that. But over the last 18 months, it has bounced off that pretty effectively. So the trade I want to look out to, being a bit contrarian, okay, I'm looking at the October expiration, giving this thing to play out a little bit. Um, I want to buy a call spread here, and I want to target a move back to, like, the 200 level where it broke down. So today, when the stock was trading about 173, you could buy the October 175, 205, Call spread, paying $8 for that, buying one of the October 175 calls for $9.70 and selling one of the 205 calls in October at $1.70. It costs 8 bucks. You break even up at $183. You can make up to $22 between $183 and $205. 8 is that max risk. And 8 is a really important number. That gets you down to $165. And to my eye, and hopefully to your eye, Carter, if you look at that 18-month chart since the start of 2017, $165 is the level it has to hold. A willing to actually have risk down to there. What does your eye say, Carter? Right. So, I mean, obviously, (laughs) in this case, you're hoping for a Super Bowl, something that's been pulled down so extremely, 210 to 170, down 20 percent, that you'll get some sort of mean reversion, even if ultimately it's going lower. It's as good a technique as any in terms of trying to identify an entry point. Let's take a look at the price of the spread that you have here and why you might have looked at something like this. The options market, as you pointed out, implying slightly over a 6% move. That's approximately how much you're risking by spending 8 bucks on this spread. 
but you're giving yourself more time than the short-dated options do, number one. Number two, that upper strike targets essentially the highs or very close to it that we saw just a couple months ago. That's about how much time you actually have until expiration for this to play out. So when you take a look at both the length of the trade going out to October, the amount that you're spending on it, and the fact that options premiums, especially those short-dated ones, are slightly elevated, I think the structure makes a lot of sense here. There's also this, just to say that the, the Chinese Internet stocks as a group, they're called Cyanar, Tencent, Baidu, Baba, they were almost double the performance of similar stocks in the U.S. last year, meaning right. FANG types. So this is just a mean reversion, right? They were so ahead, and now they're much further behind. At this point, it's probably overdone. Right, and there's two ways this trade can work out. You could get a beat and a raise, and the stock maybe works a little higher. You could also get the sort of surprise um, announcement about trade tensions easing a little bit, and this is a stock that's going to ricochet if that happens between now and October expiration. But again, it's a contrarian trade. You're defining your risk, and you have to buy into a lot of these concepts to do it. It's not a table pounding. It's going right back to 205, but I think the things are more lined up for it to bounce from here than it's a crater. Well, the pain in China and emerging markets have weighed on energy and crude, in particular oil, is down about 3% this week on the back of a stronger dollar. And the move is taking some of the big energy stocks along with it. Anadarko, Phillips, Schlumberger, Halliburton, all under pressure. And the chart master here says the pain is just getting started. What do you see, Carter? Right, right. So, I mean, commodities in general, of course, copper, uh, gold, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. And oil has resisted the dollar's strength. But oil is now starting to roll, and energy stocks, in turn, are under some pressure. So... Here you have a chart, no judgments or annotations by me. It's simply the crude oil chart in Chicago in the futures. And if we were to simply put in some lines, one thing we know is that it has been almost perfectly, as is so often the case, responsive to its trend line. And now, instead, we have broken trend. And, and, and that's really going to be the issue, ultimately, if and as there's more to come. Let's... Um, Let's move on. Here is the ETF for XLE over the past two, three years. And uh, to my eye, what you've got is this. You have a well-defined triple top. If I were to keep this exact same setup and pull it back to five years or longer, what you have, again, is the triple top. But now put in the following lines, and that's ultimately where we can go. So what I'm thinking at this point is that these key levels we failed here three times, and then ultimately we have the risk of going back to trend. And that implies about 70. So I want to basically continue to uh, be cautious here. The bet is that XLE is going lower in conjunction with crude presumptively going lower. Mike, what's your take? Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, the two largest constituents of XLE are the two big integrated oil companies, Exxon and Chevron. They represent almost 40% of that ETF. And those two names in particular are going to trade essentially in lockstep with crude. So if you are bearish on crude, you very likely have to be bearish on at least those two stocks. But what we've also seen is that some of the names, even names I like, like the oil service company, names like Halliburton, down 10%. I actually, since I got into this stock, if something's going to take crude down, it's going to take the whole space down with it, whether it's going to have a direct impact on them or not. Since we're looking at an ETF, or the same thing applies when we look at an index, I think what you want to do is look to things like put spreads. I specifically was looking out to October at the 71.67 put spread. You could buy the 71 puts for $1.55 when I was looking at that earlier today. Sell the 67s for 60 cents. That's a net debit of about 95 cents, a little less than a quarter of the distance between the strikes. And the idea here is that a lot of 
these types of things, ETFs and indices, what you'll see is that the out-of-the-money puts trade at a higher implied volatility, sometimes significantly higher than the at-the-money puts. We call that skewness. That's one of the reasons why these types of trade structures can set up favorably if you're looking at a basket of stocks like this. Or skewiness on a Friday afternoon. No, all right, so here's the thing. I mean, this is like, is risking a quarter of the width of the spread. The charts, I mean, when you start looking at the components of the XLE, which I know you have, the oil service names are the worst charts in the entire market. They look like they're going much, much lower, massive tops. Then you look at Exxon and Chevron, it makes up almost 40% of the ETF, and you say they're horrible. I mean, they're all horrible, and then if you're calling oil, this makes sense. So risking a little less than one for a $4 wide that gets you back to that recent support, I like that. I mean, oil has had its own run. We know that as the dollar has advanced aggressively, every single commodity in the softs, the metals, been all under pressure, and it looks now that oil is starting to succumb. That coupled with the fact that they've been so poor, the big drillers and then Exxon, it seems like it's asymmetrical. Limited ability to go higher and quite possibly in the event of a real drawdown in crude, energy stocks just come out through the bottom. Is this a fundamental call, Mike, that the dollar will remain strong or go higher? Well, look, I mean, we have, we have a couple things that are working in concert. Obviously, a strengthening dollar. And these things are byproducts of each other in large part. But obviously, if we put a, if, you know, this trade war that's creating its own set of problems. But if you depress asset prices in the second largest economy in the world, like China, ultimately you have to sort of think about the whole global economic picture. You also have to think about the relative currency strength of the dollar. We own these things in dollars. You put it together and it's hard to see how it could go significantly higher from here. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cmdc.com. And while you are there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. In the meantime, here's what's coming up next. In a world where volatility reigns supreme, one man has found a way to make money if the market goes up, down, or nowhere at all. Mike Coe has the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It's been a wild week for the market, but it's been even a crazier year. Dom Chu is in the newsroom with all the details. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, it seems like just yesterday when we were talking all about the complete lack of volatility in the markets, those days of VIX sub-10 levels when traders were complaining about the lack of action and all the catalysts to trade. What we didn't get last year, we are making up for in 2018 and how. In 2017, we looked at all the times the S&P 500 made a move of 1% or more, either up or down. All of last year, there were eight such moves, four of them up, four of them down. Fast forward to today. We're still four plus months away from the end of the year, and already the S&P 500 has had 36 days of 1% plus moves, 
20 of them to the upside, 16 of them to the downside. Now, a lot of that happened towards the beginning part of the year during that big pullback in the stock market that started really in early February. At the heights, the VIX hit 50. We're now back to around that 12 to 13 area. And there have been no shortage of market catalysts this time around, whether they're geopolitical or, or trade or tariff related, etc. So, Melissa, is this market setting up for even more volatility as we head towards the midterm elections, any possible breakthroughs or pitfalls on trade? All of those big questions remain to be answered. Back over to you. All right. Thanks, Dom. Dom Chu. So how do you take advantage of a volatile market? Professor Ko is over at the Plasma with his best strategy. Hey, Mike. There, so we're going to talk about using an iron condor, which is a four-legged trade. And so we're going to be a little bit careful about how we describe it so that we understand it. The first thing I would say is when you use an iron condor, if you're selling one, so you're selling a put spread, you're selling a call spread, the first thing is you're expecting that the market is in some way going to be range bound. The second thing you're looking for are circumstances where options premiums are elevated. And right now we're going to be looking at IWM. And what we are seeing is that the premiums are slightly higher than they were, say, in September of last year. So this is a way to look forward at slightly elevated options premiums. And this is also a trade where you're putting time on your side because the idea here is that you're trying to collect a bit of decay. So taking a look at IWM, what we can see is that certainly over the course of the last couple of months, we've sort of been channeling in this area right here. We're going to try to make a bet that this is going to continue. And specifically, the trade I was taking a look at was the October 162, 163, 171, 174 iron condor. That seems like a mouthful. But very simply, what we're doing is we're selling the 163, 162 put spread, collecting $2.10 when we sell the 163 put, paying $1.90 to cover the downside on the 162s, and then also selling the 171, 174 call spread, collecting $1.90 when we sell the 171 calls, paying 90 to cover that upside. So net-net, with all of this, we're collecting $1.20. The important point here that I would make is you'll notice that the strikes here that I've chosen are only $1 apart here, $3 apart there. And why would I do that? One of the principal reasons is that if it does fall below 163, because I've collected more than the distance between these two strikes, I actually cannot lose money to the downside no matter how far down IW goes. However, up here, once it gets above that strike that I'm short by more than the amount I took in on this trade, $1.20, then I will see losses. But I'm capping those potential losses up at 174. So one could say that this is a trade where we're betting on a range-bound market, but also I'm betting that maybe there's a little bit more likelihood that we could see the market trend a little bit lower rather than substantially higher. Dan, what do you think of Mike's strategy? Really interesting trade because he really matches it up with some technical stuff that I'll let him speak to. But for the last almost three months, this ETF has been trading between 165 and 170. And Mike has picked the strikes, like he said, skewed a little bit to the downside, giving himself a little bit more room for that. But he's playing for the next two months that we have more of the same. And this is a good way to collect some premium. And it would make sense because we know, and this is independent of charts, we know that everyone is waiting for a couple of things, most notably what might go on in terms of what's reported by people who are investigating certain things as well as the election. So that we're in a seasonally weak period, August, September, even October, and the market, especially the small cap, having been up 10% year-to-date versus the large cap, it's now consolidating, underperforming, having been outperforming all year. So you get equilibrium after a strong advance, or so differently, after a big move, you rest and consolidate. We're only two months into it. You can consolidate for another month or two. Yeah, if you're taking a look, if, you know, if your platform allows you to see what the implied volatility is and also historical volatility, what we can see is that if you go back to September, October 2017, 
IWM, the Russell 2000, was seeing volatility of about 14 to 15 percent. Right now, the options market is implying somewhere between 16 and 17 percent. And so essentially that difference is the value that you're essentially expecting to get. Mm -hmm. that risk premium that you, as someone who's selling insurance, expect to pay between now and expiration. And just there is this, obviously, specific to the small cap index. It's, a, it's a, almost a double weighting in financials relative to the S&P. Right. And that's partly what's going on here is rates have stalled. This index is stalled. So it's, it's quiescent in response to what's going on outside it. Yeah, and I would just say as far as selling premium in kind of a low vol market, Mike has done this in a way where the, the width between the spreads is the max potential loss, which on a percentage basis is very low. This is a high probability trade of making a, a little money at the very least. So to me, I, I think this really makes sense. And for all those people who've been trying to buy calls, playing for an IDM, IWM breakout for the last few months, you've lost your money. So make, Mike's trade may be the way to do it in the near term. Yeah, and next week's a big week for trade, and that could definitely have an impact on the direction of IWM. Well, that's right. I mean, it's certainly one of the things we have to we have to think about. And this is something everybody at home can also think about. If you have a view that's slightly different than mine, I see a little bit more downside potential risk out of these potential catalysts. You can structure your strikes accordingly and try to insulate yourself against a, a sharp move in one direction or the other. All right. Up next, Walmart surging after a blowout earnings report, having its best week in nearly a year. One trader is betting it's got more room to run. That story's next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Just last week, Dan said Walmart was gearing up for big gains on earnings. So to me, Walmart has a couple fundamental issues that if they get going on, it's groceries, it's online, it's kind of better in-store um, traffic, it's margin improvement, that sort of thing. If they guide to that, this stock is going above that technical level. You could buy the October 9100 call spread, paying $2.90 for that, buying one of the uh, October at the money. It's actually in the money a little bit. Um, calls, 90 calls for $3.40, selling one of the October 100 calls at 50 cents. That was a great call. Walmart soaring on its report, now up nearly 10% since the time of the trade. So, Dan, uh, he got dressed up here, put on a tie. Yeah, I did. Give us an update well. on the trade. Um, so here's the deal. I, I think that this thing went right to the spot that we thought it could go to if you had all those things that came in line here. I suspect it's actually going to consolidate in the high 90s a little bit, and possibly as it gets into the fall, the, the holiday selling season is on, the, you know, uh, on people's view you may see another move higher. But again, they need to keep doing the sorts of things that got it going this way. So here's the deal. When the stock was trading at 100 yesterday, this trade was worth about a double here. I think you want to sit this one out. You want to wait for it to get back above 100. And I think you probably have more than a two to one payout on that. So you're thinking that it does a full gap fill, meaning it gapped down on its March earnings from 105 to 95. We're now at 100. Yeah. You think probably 105? See, that doesn't have the action of a short squeeze. It had the action of people playing catch up to me. And when you They're have getting that sort on of sides, and that big yes. a name is a long and, only play. And when you're in a long call spread like this, time is on your side when it runs to that short strike. Uh, that lower strike option doesn't have a lot of extrinsic premium. This is kind of like being in a buy right. Yeah, but your comment last week was why would you sell that 100 call in October for 50 cents? Now it's worth $1.80. I mean, that's that's a good point. I just wasn't <laughs> expecting it to go right, right to, to that strike yeah. price, but that's a good thing to contemplate. All right. Also last week, Carter and Mike said NVIDIA's hot run was about to cool off on its earnings report. And it's already stalling, meaning 
rather than looking like a bounce off the line, meaning a ricochet, a ricochet, a ricochet, it's compressing. And to my eye, that looks like the beginning of what should be um, something unhappy. Specifically, I was looking at the October 250 220 put spread. You could spend $12 for the October 250 puts, sell the 220s against it for 345. Well, they were right. The stock falling on the results, sinking 5% just today. So, Carter, you first. What do you think now? Sure. So uh, there's two subjects, I think, that help determine the way forward. One is what is specific to NVIDIA, and then more generally, what is specific to semis. Almost every major semiconductor stock, from Micron to Intel to Microchip to LRCX, they're all under pressure. AMAT today down some 7 8%. So we have pressure on the group, and then obviously you have the biggest one, besides Intel, NVIDIA falling. I can't imagine that it's going to stop after one day. I would bet further weakness. It's, it seems like the best performing in the group, doesn't it? But actually, over the course of the last 10 years, when they have disappointed on earnings and the stock has been lower, you wait another week and they're down, on average, about another 200 basis points. So I think you do have a little bit of time. Certainly, if you were thinking about buying it, I wouldn't do that here. I think there's probably a little bit more weakness ahead. And overall, semis, you're negative. I am negative, and I've been this way, and this is the one I've been waiting for, NVIDIA, because to me, this is really the sentiment leader. We've seen Intel, Taiwan Semi, Broadcom, Micron, they're all in major correction territory. The SOX now is down 10% from its highs. It feels like it's rolling. If you lose NVIDIA, then this sector is really going to have a hard time coming back, in my opinion. And struggling right at its dot-com high. A oh, perfect double top. Interesting. All right. Up next, we got your tweets and the final call from the options pits. Welcome back. Time to take some of your tweets. Our first fan, Marco, asks, when is a buy right an appropriate trading strategy? Mike. Well, first of all, buy being the operative word here, you obviously have to like the stock that you're going to be buying. The writing part is selling a call against it, which is generally speaking a good strategy, but particularly good if you don't think that there's an upcoming catalyst that could propel those shares sharply higher in the near term. When do you, how do yeah, you Yeah, I think the key, the key part of that is range bound. So it's a stock that you want to continue to own, but you're willing to take a little yield in, in the meantime. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter. I think it's right to be cautious with energy, XLE on the short side. Mike. Put spreads are the way to play your bearish bets in XLE. Dan, yeah, so Baba next week, I think on Thursday, is going to be really interesting for this group of stocks that's been really beaten down. I think contrarian, defined risk ways to do it, and Baba makes sense. Look to October expiration. All right. Looks like our time has expired. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Melissa Lee. For more Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. You can also tweet us. See you back here next Friday at 530. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.